Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Back today to talk about the CFL schedule for 2021, a 16-week, 14-game-per-team schedule uh, in a shortened season kicking off August 5th. And we're here to break down everything to do with the schedule uh, from across the league here today. Uh, Mike, how are you this week? I'm great. I am uh, double vaccinated officially as of this week in a couple of days. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, changing in a sporting event here in Winnipeg, the CPL game on the 15th. And then if that goes well, I I might venture out to go uh, opening night tight Jats and Bombers. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, I am also uh, fully vaccinated in a couple of days. My two weeks since my second shot will be up. So uh, maybe I will uh, see you there on opening night uh, for the 2021 CFL season. Uh, Yeah, it's been a good week here as well. Got a lot of work done around the house. Would have been a better week, you know, if my Tampa Bay Lightning would have wrapped up the Stanley Cup last night. But I guess I got to wait another two days for the repeat to be finished. Um, by the time you're listening to this, depending on when it's out, they may already be the champions. So, no comment. That's all. <laughs> it's been a, I, I, I've enjoyed a pretty good run of my sports teams here uh, over the past couple of years, with the Bombers winning in 2019, the Lightning last year, and then the Lightning hopefully uh, pulling it out again this year, and uh, maybe hey. Maybe the Bombers yeah. can repeat in 2021 as well. Yeah, you know what? One thing I will say quickly, but I know this is a football podcast, but goodness gracious, the Lightning growing up ever since crashing out in four games to Columbus. Yeah, that's for sure. That's a darn good hockey team over there. And uh, full credit to Montreal scrapping their way all playoffs long. And uh, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens indeed. Should be a great game Wednesday night for game five of that. Uh, So hockey's wrapping up sometime, presumably, in the next week. Uh, We don't know exactly when. And uh, as of today, we are officially at less than a month to go until the CFL season kicks off uh, the 2021 CFL season. Thursday, August 5th, Investors Group Field or IG Field, whatever what is the actual name right now? I think it's just abbreviated. I think it's just IG Field, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's IG Field. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, rematch of the 2019 Grey Cup, Winnipeg uh, hosting Hamilton. Uh, we also have in the first week of the CFL schedule. Uh, let's see, we've got Saskatchewan and BC on Friday night. Uh, and then we've got Calgary and Toronto and Edmonton and Ottawa, both on Saturday. Montreal gets the week one by. Uh, diving right into it, Mike, what do you make of opening week of the CFL season and uh, the matchups we're given here? Um, I'll say this quickly uh, right now. It is a big week for the home teams. Uh, Winnipeg starts with uh, three of the first four at home. Uh, Saskatchewan starts with four straight at home. Uh, the way people are looking at this is it's a Winnipeg Saskatchewan uh, duel for the West, and I cannot uh, emphasize that enough. Um, 
Calgary is also hosting Toronto, so the former Stampeders and the former uh, Argonauts will get together. Uh, Ottawa, all of a sudden, they've taken some hits over the last week. Uh, they are going to play Edmonton in Edmonton. So, you know what? I would say just like the customary week one. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. There's a little bit of everything, except if you're a Montreal fan. Yeah, one team's always going to draw the kind of short end of the stick. Uh, I know the Winnipeg had it a couple years ago, I think, where we had the week one by, and it's never fun to be the odd man out in week one. Everybody else gets to have football back, but hey, you, you know, even if even if the Bombers had the week one by, I would just be happy to see the four other games on the schedule. I am so happy football's back. I cannot wait for next month. Uh, well, my, my- Montreal better put that by the good news because they're going to Edmonton, going to Calgary, then they're home to Edmonton. Oh, sorry, they're home to Hamilton. Yeah. So the, fir- the first three games for Montreal, right out of the shoot, the first month will tell us a lot about Montreal. Yeah. This is an interesting schedule this year. Uh, there's certainly many quirks to it. Uh, there, there are typically quirks in a schedule. I, I don't envy the job of the schedule makers. I say this every year when we do this episode of the podcast, uh, trying to make sense of it all and make it all very balanced and everything and work out, you know, conflicts with stadium bookings between other leagues and things like that. Um, and with it being a shortened season this year and COVID and everything, we expected it to be, uh, a bit of a more odd schedule. Um, but but I think to me, the most obvious quirk in it is that in a nine-team league, uh, two teams will not play each other once this year. And unfortunately, uh, it's two teams we would have loved to see play against one another because uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks with new head coach Paul Apolis and starting quarterback Matt Nichols uh, will not play against their former team, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, at all in the regular season. I do not usually gripe the schedule maker, uh, but this is a miscalculation. Um, I don't understand the logistics behind it. Maybe there's a simple reason we don't know why it's going to happen like this. But to me, the storylines and the chance to sell an extra few tickets, uh, whether the game's in Ottawa, whether the game's in Winnipeg, uh, the quarterback storyline, the offensive coordinator, now turned coach storyline, uh, Ottawa's storyline now on the offensive line, which I believe I've mentioned a few times already. I just don't know why an elite bit is so demanding, well not demanding but I guess prioritizing and rightly so of making money I just don't understand why maybe it's just an oversight but to me I think this will be one of the marquee games on the schedule that's not there Well I I don't know Like, I'd love to know the reasoning behind it right? Heck I'd love if you know they like they live streamed for us the schedule making process. Like if we could see the boardroom where they're, you know, all discussing and everything, how they come up with the schedule. I'd love to see kind of the inside baseball, so to say on that, because 
like you talked, well, maybe it's an oversight. Well, the, you know, they double and triple check and quadruple check these schedules. Like that, it, it couldn't have just been, I, I, my mind would be blown if it was just a matter of this went through how many sets of eyes and nobody realized Winnipeg didn't play Ottawa. Uh, well, here, the only logical thing I could possibly think of, having looked at this now, is because of Ottawa's stadium availability, they're not playing a home game until August 28th. That is not by accident. Um, Toronto's not playing Winnipeg until the week before, so there's no game in an Eastern venue until Toronto visits Winnipeg in week three. That is by design at the request, I, I, as of my understanding, by the Ontario government not allowing mass crowds, uh, mass gatherings for sporting events until late, uh, late summer, early fall. And I bet you it came down to a decision just looking at Ottawa's schedule where they go to Edmonton, have the bye, go to Saskatchewan. I mean, I guess they're going to spend their bye week in Western Canada. Who knows? That, that, that's a thing that I'll never understand in itself. I, I think it just came down to, quite honestly, um, you know, taking the pit, you know, an extra uh, Ottawa trip to, to uh, you know, Regina at the expense of losing uh, the Grey Cup rematch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I think the CFL prioritized the Hamilton trip to Winnipeg on opening night. And then if you look a week later, uh, Hamilton goes to Saskatchewan. So I I think they prioritized the Great Cup rematch over um, you know a a rematch with La Police and um, and uh, and the Bombers. And I think they looked at it from a national standpoint. Which game has more national appeal? And I think that that would be, you know, Winnipeg and Hamilton, the great cup rematch. And then I think it just became increasingly difficult uh, to justify in the back half of the season Winnipeg making a trip to Ottawa. Uh, because if you look at Ottawa's schedule there, yeah, from about the October onward, you know, they're not very far as far as their schedule goes. It's uh, even the home games. It's at versus Hamilton, versus Edmonton at Toronto, at Montreal, versus Montreal, at Hamilton, versus Calgary, versus Toronto, by week, and then at Montreal. So it's a very geographically heavy bat half of season for the Ontario teams. And I think it just became too hard uh, to pencil in. And I think they just, they weren't going to cut their losses with, uh, you know, losing the Grey Cup rematch. I think they just, that was a calculation that they had to make if something was going to go on the chopping block the way the schedule was set up. Now, you mentioned kind of the first couple of weeks, the way things set up there. Yeah, the first two weeks, all the games will be played in Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. Uh, so BC's got two games on the road. Hamilton's two on the road. Toronto's two on the road. Ottawa and Montreal each have one, and they have bye weeks in the first, like each has a bye week. 
Um, yeah, that's that's no accident there, I would say. The CFL wants to have fans in the stands as soon as the season starts. And I think these are the cities where we expect to see the largest audience. Uh, we know in Alberta they plan to uh they plan to have large audiences and I, I believe are opening or loosening, correct me if I'm wrong, pretty much every restriction in Alberta. I know yeah. Saskatchewan's talked about doing the same. Uh, and, and Winnipeg uh, did come out and say that for the home opener, at least, it will only be uh, fully vaccinated fans allowed in the stands, uh, which kind of leads me to think they will try to have maximum capacity there. Uh, now yep. I don't I don't think you're filling maximum capacity on opening night. Uh, I mean the Bombers typically don't uh, outside of the Banjo Bowl fill the whole stadium any more particularly anyways in a normal year. Um, but you're looking at a larger sized crowd in these in these arenas uh, in these stadiums than you would get you know in a in an Ontario, a Quebec, or a BC, given their restrictions right now. And, and then, you know, you get to mid-August by that point, and uh, maybe things, you know, vaccination rates go up. So I, it seems like these these provinces and these cities are more willing to host a home game at that point. So, uh, yeah, I think that makes sense, though, from the perspective of, you know, the CFL, this is how the CFL makes its money, is revenue from fans in the seats, right? And I think, Ryan, if you have to look at it, you have to look at when this schedule came out. And when this schedule came out, the COVID hotspots were Manitoba with some, uh, I guess, assurances that things were going to get better. Uh, the other uh, COVID hotspot at the time was BC. And there was very, very to little uh, understanding with uh, what was going on in Ontario. So, you know what, the schedule is what it is at this point, and uh, you know what, they went on what they had at the time. They waited as long as they could. Um, no schedule is perfect, hence the four meetings between the Ontario teams. But again, it's uh, just, just a quick thing on that too, is it cuts out travel unnecessarily for the teams that are, you know, in a little bit, a little bit of a financial situation. Um, it's cheaper for for Toronto to go to like Ottawa than it would be to go to to BC, right? And then while you kind of satisfy public health in BC, because you could say, okay, if things are really bad at that time, maybe the game between BC and Edmonton in week three could be played with limited fans. But by the time they come back for their second home game, it'll already be September 11th, and we're in a very uh, di different, different scenario. So I think a lot of this schedule was built at the last minute with the COVID situation in mind uh, in the various cities. Now, before we get into talking about on a team by team basis, kind of what stands out to us, a couple other things uh, of note uh, in the schedule as a whole. Uh, we have the age old saying every year that the, the, the true season starts after Labor Day. Uh, in the CFL. And uh, as I was, you know, compiling the schedule into the format, we have it here in front of us. Uh, it kind of took me by surprise, not necessarily by surprise, but uh, kind of a whoa moment uh, when I realized uh, Labor Day weekend was week five on the season. Yeah. 
Uh, and a 14 DM season, right? I mean, you, you cut out, uh, what is it usually, 21 weeks? 21 weeks, 18 games normally, yeah. Yeah, so you so you cut out uh, you cut out basically effectively a third of the season. Yeah, and then so, labor labor day labor day is essentially your halfway point in a normal season, right? And then you add on and uh, a lot of the games, but would get us to the halfway point are now being played past the Grey Cup, uh, past the conventional start of the Grey Cup. I, I still write. I, I can't wrap my head around the fact, but we're going to have a great cup in Hamilton on uh, in uh, mid-December, practically. Could a be few cold. Days, a few days before Christmas, basically. Yeah, that, that could be a cold one, depending on what the weather forecast that day is. You never know. You might get lucky. I, I, I think last yeah. year or the year before, on December 12th, uh, it wasn't so bad. Uh, it wasn't too cold out in Hamilton, but I, I mean, weather's we're not weathermen over here, Mike. Uh, we can do no. our best to guess, uh, and uh, we'd probably be entirely wrong. So, uh, yeah, it has potential, though. That's definitely like uh, that's that could be a cold day for everybody sitting out there in the stands for that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, and I mean, for contests, I mean. At the Great Cup in Calgary, uh, it was two degrees or three degrees at kickoff. So, you know, you might get lucky. I think uh, a few weeks later, in, the, in a place like Regina, might be uh, might be a little bit of a challenge, but they might get away with one in Southern Ontario. Yeah, you never know. I mean, we had that Great Cup. Uh, I forget where it was, but Calgary and Traverse. Calgary against Toronto a couple of years ago, where it was snowing heavily on that one. Uh, it was it was in Ottawa. Yeah, so who knows uh, what weather we'll get then? But uh, yeah, the the see the regular season wraps up uh, November twentieth. Uh, looks like the uh, a doubleheader on November twentieth. Uh, a Saturday to wrap up week sixteen, uh, and then the playoffs will kick off from there uh before diving in team by team is there anything else about the schedule as a whole that you uh that you notice that really jumps out to you well i i think i said it before but it it really it kind of bears repeating um i i really believe the home games early on uh for winnipeg saskatchewan even edmonton to us to a certain degree uh, Calgary's got three straight home games, four out of five. Uh, mixed in there a date with the Bombers and a couple with the Elks and then Hamilton. So I, I think, to be honest with you, Ryan, the, to, to handicap this schedule based on what happened two years ago, I think there's a little bit of a, yeah, we can use it as a guide, but I think what this has shown is you know, you know, he started this whole conversation about the CFO season starts around Labor Day. I would venture to tell you uh, the season starts upon kickoff at IG Field. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think that saying is kind of tongue in cheek a lot of times anyways, uh, no, it, because the season like every the early season games still definitely matter. It's just 
they seem more meaningful as you get into the later portion of the year, right? As you know, you need these wins to squeak your way into a playoff spot, uh, potentially. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me, uh, and I, I don't think the, the shortened schedule and you know, COVID protocols really impacted this a ton more than normal, because I think we've seen a trend in recent years of this as well, but uh, a lot of home and home series between teams uh, this season. Uh, you look at uh, BC plays Ottawa two games in a row. They do have a bye week in between there. Uh, what else do we have? We have Calgary playing Edmonton back-to-back once, Saskatchewan back-to-back once, uh, Edmonton playing Calgary uh, two in a row, uh, Winnipeg two in a row, Saskatchewan two in a row, uh, Saskatchewan playing the Bombers twice. I mean, that's one that happens every year. That would be the Labor Day and Banjo Bowl. Uh, Saskatchewan has three straight games against Calgary, uh in october uh and and, uh, an interesting one i don't know if we've ever seen that before in a cfl schedule uh and then they play edmonton twice uh in a row down the stretch uh winnipeg's two of their first three games back to back with toronto they've got that back to back with saskatchewan same with against edmonton against montreal so i mean just winnipeg alone has four home and home series of their four eight of their 14 games are back to back against the same team. Uh, and, and that's just the West division. Uh, just to go through the East quickly to Hamilton and Toronto play back to back. That's also around labor day there. And Hamilton, and Tr- Hamilton and Toronto play four times. That's a lot. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Well, in a full size season, I don't think that's a stretch. No, the maximum in a full size season is three. Really? Three. Usually two in one venue and one in another. Oh. I have never seen I have never seen a team. Now I've seen them play four times if you encompass a playoff matchup, but I don't I do not recall it in the regular season. Interesting. I mean it's one thing to play three times and then you meet in the playoffs, but I mean you're talking about and just based on where those matchups are, they're late in the season. Now throw a playoff game in there. You're going to get sick and tired of each other pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's a almost a quarter of their season. Probably more than 20% of their season is against the one team in the Argos, if you're from the Hamilton perspective, right? Four of your 14 games. I think that's about 20%, something like that. I'm going to check my math. I'll tell you something here. Twenty-eight percent, even even more. That's oh yeah, that's more than a quarter. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and I'm just trying to do some quick math here on the fly. One. Yeah, twenty-eight twenty-eight percent of Hamilton's games are against uh, Toronto this season. Uh, Just while you're doing your math there to round out the home and home uh, series for everybody, uh, Montreal has a back-to-back with Ottawa. Uh, they also have a back-to-back with Winnipeg, Ottawa. Uh, we'll, we'll get into talking about Ottawa's schedule because this one's uh, this is the most intriguing one to me. But they have uh, just a back-to-back with Montreal. Uh, and then Toronto has the back-to-back with Hamilton. And that is it for them as well. So it seems out west more so maybe than anybody else than the east uh, where we see a lot of these back-to-back games between teams. And you know, maybe that helps a little bit with 
uh, limiting contacts between different teams in kind of a two week period necessarily, uh, just as a COVID precaution. And uh, hey, I, I I love home and home series. They're they're fascinating. How you how you game plan for the week after against the same team? I love it. It's it's one of the things I love actually about uh, about the NHL playoffs is playing the same team that many times back to back. Yeah, and especially in the first two rounds of the NHL playoffs, I haven't seen them so many times, right? Yeah. Anyway, just getting back to my point, I want to make sure the number was right. Six of Toronto's 14 games are against teams that have played in the Grey Cup. That's a lot. That's a tough schedule. That does not include your season-opening two-game trip in two games in six days in Calgary and in Winnipeg. Well, that would be the Winnipeg would be one of the teams that was in the Grey Cup, but correct. And then, and then, if you look at the middle of Toronto's schedule, it's a back-to-back home and home in Hamilton, a trip to Saskatchewan, and then home to a, what I'm going to say is a vastly improved Montreal football team. Yeah, that's a tough early season schedule for Toronto, uh, and that's a perfect segue to start jumping into kind of looking at this a little bit on a team-by-team basis. Uh, I didn't actually notice that yet about the Argos schedule, but, uh, yeah, you make a great point. Uh, You know, Calgary, usually one of the top teams in the league every year, uh, is your first opponent. You go there on the road, always tough to win in Calgary. Uh, Then the back-to-back with the Grey Cup champions. Granted, let's, let's put an asterisk on here. This is two years ago at this point. Um, so we, we talk about how good all of these teams have been. Uh, and if you listen to last episode of the podcast, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about, we don't know what to expect from any of these teams. And there's been more names changing places than normal in the last but two years. So the, the one thing I will say, and if I can self promote myself just for one second, um, I had the privilege of speaking with, uh, the legendary voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Bob Irving on my show today. Uh, you can well, yeah, I'll get Ryan to put the link out on uh, on the pod uh, platforms as well for those of you to watch. And I asked that very question, uh, paraphrasing a little bit. Uh, who has the advantage, right? Because it is, you know, a year later, two years later in, in some cases. And it's Bob's belief, and he goes into uh, a bit of a comment about it, but it's Bob's belief that the teams that have the most continuity, uh, Winnipeg, as of right now, is returning the most starters out of anybody in the whole league. My only concern for a team like Toronto is they seem to have over undergone a massive overhaul with lots of bodies in, lots of bodies out, which can be a good thing. But in a season where you need to hit the ground running, my concern with the the Argos is the lack of continuity. Uh, We've seen it before. We've seen these high-end teams sign lots of free agents. Yes, it's worked in certain cases, but almost more times than not, it requires some time. To iron the taint so yeah look no further than bc who spent a lot of money a couple of years ago right and then they they struggled to gel for the first first bit of the season there so 
We'll get into talking more about kind of the off-season moves and the outlook on the season for these teams uh, starting next week when we uh, start with our East Division preview, I think, next week. And then the week after, we'll do our West Division preview uh, as we make our way towards the season. Uh, but for Toronto, uh, just kind of some highlights of the Toronto schedule. Uh, out of everybody in the league, they have the most short weeks. Uh, that's yeah. less than seven days between games. Uh, they have three weeks of longer than seven, not counting bye weeks, obviously. Um, a lot of Friday games, uh, a couple Saturday games, a one Thursday game, two Monday games, and a Wednesday game. And that Wednesday and Monday is part of probably the most bizarre week on the CFL schedule which comes in week 10 where BC doesn't play at all, but Ottawa and Toronto both play two games. Uh, they play each other Wednesday, October 6th, and then uh, Toronto plays Hamilton on October 11th. Uh, now, uh, granted, it's not that far of a travel around Ontario necessarily, uh, but you go from a home game on, on a Wednesday to an away game a couple days later on the next Monday. That is that is bizarre to me. Uh, now, Toronto, I think, has this much better than Ottawa does because this is sandwiched by two bye weeks for them. Uh, but that, that that's just a weird quirk in the schedule to me. Well, it is, and especially if you add the fact that the Monday is a Thanksgiving Day showdown. So, right, because they play Wednesday, and then the Monday the 11th is a Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving Day matchup. So... You know, I just add the spice and the intrigue. And you know what? It, nothing is perfect. Uh, the only saving grace, I think, for Toronto is, you know, their home and away split as far as the first seven games and the last seven games is actually fairly even, as daunting as their schedule looks. First half of the year, they play three and four. And then four and three the other way around. So, you know what? Yes, it's a grueling schedule. I think right this whole thing can be chopped down to in a nine-team lead, everybody has their difficult points in the schedule. Everybody has their easy points in the schedule. And nobody is to be taken lightly because nobody's seen any of these new uh, personnel decisions. Right. Yeah, seven weeks. We mentioned the tough opponents. You've got Winnipeg twice. You've got Hamilton twice. Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, Montreal all once before they get their first bye week. Uh, because they do play two games in week 10, they get an extra week off. Uh, so weeks 8 and 11 uh, sandwiched around those two games in one week. And then they get the final week of the season off, Toronto does. But uh, just to sum it up for them, I would say... From a quick glance here, they probably have one of the tougher schedules out of teams, uh, out of all the teams in the league, I think, this season. So for a new team that's brought in a, a lot of pieces, uh, they're, they're going to be kind of thrown to the fire real quick uh, early in the season. And we'll see how that fares for the Argos. Uh, and and that, there's something I think, Ryan, sorry to cut you off, there's something to be said about, let's see how these new pieces work. Um, no better time like the present. The good news is your top games are kind of early. Uh, if, if you're Toronto, where you're kind of fresher. Um, the other thing, and we can kind of talk about this as a, as a 
as a lead-wide situation, I am very concerned about the injuries. Because if the injuries start piling up because guys have not played football for a year and a half, uh, almost two years now, you can basically throw your schedule prognostication out the window. Right. Because if somebody loses a quarterback for any stretch of time, and, and Bob and I and Kent had a chance to talk about this this afternoon on the show as well, yeah, the Bombers have a backup quarterback in uh, in uh, uh, Sean McGuire. Not a lot of teams have a proven, proven backup scenario. And I think that's what makes the CFL uh, so interesting. You know, the interesting thing is you, you talk about injuries and, and how they, they might come into play this season. I think one of the teams we have to be most concerned about in terms of injuries this year is uh, Ottawa because the middle of their season, the most interesting thing for me for the Red Blacks this year is that uh, three-game stretch right in the middle of the season around weeks 10 uh, and 11 where they play two games in week 10. Uh, They play on a Wednesday, then the Monday right after, that's a short week, and then they play the next Saturday again. So three games in 10 or 11 days, uh, including two on the road. Uh, That's not an easy schedule there for Ottawa. Yeah, it's not. And then you couple in all their offensive linemen that are retiring at Canadian O-linemen, to add to the misery, that scouting staff better be uh, a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I mean, that. how does this make its way into the schedule? Like, I, I, I get the logistics of, of needing to squish games in and the, all the issues, uh, you know, from the, the scheduling purposes that we talked about with, with – starting the season on the road for the East teams and whatnot. But how do you end up with a team playing three games in 11 days? That, that That's mind-boggling to me. Um, venue availability. I mean, it's not all that uncommon. I mean, you know, we've seen Toronto host two games in a week, particularly around Thanksgiving, uh, because they're so insistent, I guess, on playing on the Monday uh, it's a quirk of an uneven lead, nine teams, and somebody's got to bite the bullet uh, with a ridiculous schedule. Um, it, it's just part of the game. It's like, why do you play, you know, 17 games? and Why do you play 17 hockey games in 31 days? You know, this, this is a physically demanding sport that demands a lot from players. Um that's gonna demand on depth. That's gonna demand a lot of a lot of sacrifices and a very busy, busy uh, time for not only coaching staffs but the training staffs to do the best of their ability to get these players turned around. Not the least of which is that stretch also comes at a time where there could be, and I'm not meaning to sound the alarm bells. But that's right around the potential fourth wave for COVID, uh, flu season, um, 
And I'm just thinking, like, if there's a stoppage in the back half of the season or you got to postpone a game for whatever reason, that schedule becomes even more complicated. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, we can break this whole schedule down that uh, with kind of that asterisk there of we, we don't know whether some of these games will be rescheduled along the way. This is what the schedule looks like. As of now, uh, and this is all we have to go off of, obviously, but that could change as the season goes along. Uh, Bye weeks for Ottawa in weeks two, seven, and then they get the third one because they have two games in week 10. Uh, They get one in week 15, the second last week of the season. Uh, Four short weeks of less than seven days, three long weeks of more than seven days. Uh, Four at home three away in the first half of the season and then the the inverse in the second half of the season how would you grade ottawa's schedule uh i i said toronto probably has one of the tougher ones uh where do you kind of slot ottawa in is it a tougher schedule an easier schedule to me it's tougher uh just based on that stretch in the middle there if you think toronto has the toughest schedule i put ottawa as the second toughest schedule and you know what? A lot has been said about, you know, we think this Ottawa team is better than the three wins that they incurred back back in uh, in 19. My question is just how much uh, better now with all these O-line retirement piling on top of that. To be honest with you, I have, based on the developments of the last week and now the schedule... Barring anything unforeseen, Ottawa could be looking at us at a you know six or seven win season. I hope I'm wrong, but I mean, I you you just look at this gauntlet that they go through from about September 22nd to November 6th. It's home to Hamilton, home to Edmonton, at Toronto, at Montreal, uh, versus Montreal, at Hamilton. Home to Calgary, home to Toronto, by week and home to Montreal. And maybe I'm a little too high on Montreal, but that at the best of times for a team that has a lot of depth can be a challenge. Never mind a team that's losing a Canadian position that the most second most important position on the field. Um, I I just I'm just not sure how Ottawa's going to, like, um, I just, my, my, my line of thinking is, if they won three games with the team that they had in 17 games, I'm just 18. not sure, or 18 games, I'm just not sure how one can expect any better given this schedule, uh, given the offensive line that I've already hashed out. And Brad Sinopoli, like we haven't talked about that in the podcast. Brad Sinopoli hanging them up is just as big of an issue for this team as uh, losing the offensive linemen. Uh, Congrats to him for sure on an outstanding career. Um, But but just to sum up Ottawa, yeah, that middle middle to late section of the season is going to be a gauntlet for them. Early on in the season's their chance maybe to, you know, set themselves up so it's a less daunting of a task. Uh, if you look, you know, based on the how teams finished in 2019, uh, you get two you get two bye weeks in the first seven weeks of the season. 
Uh, one game against Edmonton, who missed the playoffs. Two games against BC, who missed the playoffs. Uh, or sorry, Edmonton didn't miss the playoffs now, did they? No, they made it. They were the crossover team. They were the crossover team. Sorry. Right. It was BC, Ottawa, and Toronto. My my apologies, Elks fans. Um, but you have two games against BC who missed the playoffs. Edmonton just made it as the crossover team. Uh, you play Montreal and you play Saskatchewan, uh, who are, in their to their credit, very good football teams. Uh, but with the two bye weeks there, you know, maybe that's the chance for Ottawa to kind of get a good start to the season before they hit that gauntlet. Let's move on now to the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, what's the most notable thing for you from their schedule? Um, I like the back half of their schedule. Uh, four of the last five at home. Uh, Toronto, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Ottawa. Yeah, road games in Ottawa in Winnipeg in between there. Uh, you take a large portion of your travel out of your schedule after week three with the Alberta trip in six days. Um, I really like the way this schedule sets up for Montreal. Uh, you got back half of the season, uh, Saskatchewan at home. Uh, you're playing a road weary Saskatchewan team. We'll talk about. Uh, Saskatchewan schedule um, in a second. Uh, but I really, really like what I got from Montreal. Then you got Ottawa, you know, Montreal, two late season tests, a home and home with Winnipeg. Um, I'm going to come out and say this right now. I, I think this is the first place team in the East Division. Ooh, and, that's a bold one. And the back half of the. Uh, the back half of the schedule is going to cement, make or break that for uh, Montreal. That's interesting. So you're pretty high on Montreal's schedule then. I was actually lower on them uh, for the main purpose of, uh, you know what, you make a lot of great points. I do love the homestand, uh, two homestands with a meeting in Winnipeg sandwiched in between. Uh, the big thing I don't like with Montreal is the structure of their bye weeks. They have a bye week in week one. Uh, and a bye week in week six, and then they their final 10 weeks of the year, t- 10 straight games without a bye in between. Uh, it's the longest stretch without a bye of any team in the league, uh, two more than Ottawa and Toronto, who are the next uh, highest or next longest streak. Um, it's not a very ideal bye week placement, I think, for Montreal, but uh, you know, if they get some momentum going midway through the season and then they can keep that rolling. Uh, as they go into the final weeks. Maybe that's good for them. Uh, Very, as you mentioned, home-heavy back half of the season. Uh, In terms of short and long weeks, it's kind of split down the middle, four short weeks, four long weeks, uh, because they have a lot of cases of like a Saturday followed by a Friday followed by a Saturday, for example. I, I don't have too many qualms with the Montreal schedule besides the bye week placement. I think that is not the most ideal. But but I mean the bye week placement at the expense of going to two of the toughest places in the West in between and the Grey Cup runner up. That's fair. I mean I think I would rather take that and I, I no schedule is perfect here, Ryan. No. Um but I think this is as close to perfect as you can get. Uh, they also get that uh, unexcused third by in week 10. Um, uh, 
No, they don't have a bye that week. That's just they they still play in week ten. They have that game against Ottawa. It's just they don't have a second game. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very interesting. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm just looking at that now. Yeah, I I, I miss. It's a sorry. weird. It's a weird structure to the schedule. Trying to structure the chart we're looking at here uh, was difficult because of those two games. Uh, but yeah, ten ten straight games uh, to end out the season for Montreal. So on the, the tough that, on the toughness be, scale. That, sorry, go that ahead. Be, sorry, my we're working. Okay, I I just want to explain this to folks. I have not seen Ryan literally since I don't know when. We're doing this virtually to the point where I can't even see Ryan because of my internet connection. So the fact that we don't talk over each other a hundred thousand more times than we do <laughs> recording this show is an absolute miracle. <laughs> well said. I just thought I would I just thought I would disclose that information. Finish your thought, though, Mike. Uh, no, I, I was just thinking, like, I know I know that I would rather have a busy end to the season so that you're in game mode to get to the playoffs. I guess my only cause for concern for Montreal looking at this again is if the injuries start to pile up. Mm-hmm. I mean, three of your last three of your last four games are against Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Now, of course, if we're counting on the Bombers to have a good season, that's going to be a tough team. Um, they also have Toronto, Ottawa, and another game with Ottawa, Salmon's right in between. So I don't know what the happy medium is as far as maximum effect of a, you know, when you want your bye weeks, when is the ideal time? Because a lot of a lot of different things predicate on when it's good to have a buy. And you know what? We can say that right now that, um, you know what? The buy weeks are certainly scheduled here and they're scheduled there. But I'll tell you what, that week 21 buy that the Bombers had leading up to their great top run may have been the greatest buy placement ever in the history of the Canadian Football League. Because I'll tell you something, Ryan. I don't think without that bye week, but we're talking about a bomber breakup championship, given everything that has happened. So I think, to be fair, we can talk about bye weeks being, you know, inconvenient places and then inconvenient places. Somehow they wind up being in the perfect spot for almost every team. That's fair. That's a fair way to put it. Uh, on the toughness scale uh, for the schedule, I would probably put Montreal like middle of the pack. I, I, I think a lot of the things you've mentioned uh, tip it towards an easier schedule. I do think that long stretch, especially if they have some injuries there without a week off, maybe tips it back towards the tougher scale there. Uh, fair to say Montreal middle of the pack in terms of yeah. schedule toughness? Yeah, the only thing that I think saves Montreal in this busy in this busy stretch that they have is their two road games are in Toronto, Hamilton, Ottawa. Their furthest trip during this whole stretch is Winnipeg. Right. And that's in the third last week of the season in a game that may or may not mean anything. That's fair. Let's move on to the last team in the East, the uh 
Grey Cup finalists from 2019, Hamilton Tiger Cats. They start the season off with three road games in weeks one, two, and four with a bye week in week three. Um, what do you make of Hamilton's schedule? Uh, just like Montreal, they finish with uh, a, a hefty stretch at home uh, in the latter half of the season uh, with some road games sprinkled in. Um, most notable thing for you from Hamilton. I like this schedule from the Tiger Cats. Uh, my 15-3 and three record gets put to the test. I know it's not an 18-game season. It is a, a season of 14 games this time around, so that benefits. But if I want to back up what I did last year, uh, Hamilton has a lot of continuity. When it comes to um, guys being bad, it's time to prove that uh, it's time to prove that uh, you know my fifteen and three record wasn't fluke. I'm not saying it was, but if you want to see just how good your team is, start the season at Winnipeg, at Saskatchewan by week. And then the team that I think you are fighting for first place with in this division when all is said and done, uh, a team at Percival Molson. And let me tell you something. No better time for your home opener than against the Toronto Argonauts on Labor Day, Monday, September 6th. And by the way, guys, don't listen to the music about what, uh, what uh, the coach of the Tiger Cats is trying to sell a buddy doesn't know who his starting quarterback is. You know, we, we I put that question to Bob Irving today, and he wouldn't even let me get the question out of my mouth before he said, let's not, and I'm paraphrasing again, let's not kid ourselves. Jeremiah Mazzoli will start for the Ticats in Winnipeg on August 11. Don't let the noise distract you. It's an interesting scenario because uh, I think they have two starter quality quarterbacks there. Uh, no, for Hamilton, no. and and the one that starts the season as the starter, who knows if they end the season as the starter? That's a luxury Hamilton has. Uh, that you know, if say you on this three game road trip to start the year, things aren't going well, maybe you can look at the other option. That being said, 15 and three season in 2019, you have a lot of your pieces are still together for Hamilton, as far as I remember. I don't think this is a team that's going to be struggling early in the season. I think uh, if anything, you know, Hamilton gets a, as good of a team as they are, they can get those three road games out of the way early in the season. Uh, in the middle chunk of the season, they have a three game homestand, including a bye week in the middle. Um, pretty good schedule for Hamilton. I would say uh, pretty balanced three game road trip at the start of the year, three game homestand middle of the year. Uh, and everything else is kind of, you know, home game, away game, home game, away game. They don't have any two-game homestands or two-game road trips kind of back and forth uh, throughout the rest of the schedule. Uh, three short weeks, uh, five long weeks for Hamilton. So the most long weeks with uh, more than seven days between games out of anybody in the league. Uh, I would say the Hamilton schedule is pretty good. Yeah, I like it. If we... We want to just have to talk about the buy placements, which I hate to do. 
I think they're in exactly the spot where you would expect them to be. Um, can rest up for a playoff push. Um, you have a home game, so you could potentially rest your starters in the final week against the Stats one, if that's the route you choose to go. Uh, I'm going to say this right now. I believe Hamilton will be in line for a home playoff game. And despite what I said about Montreal finishing first, spoiler alert for the preview show, I have Hamilton going back to the Grey Cup, but just not with the number one seed. Interesting. Yeah, save, save those, uh, those predictions for the next couple of weeks, Mike. Uh, I will. Good. And with the caveat, they are subject to change. Well, of course, I get them wrong every year. Uh, and I, so toughness scale, I would, of the teams we've talked about so far, put Hamilton at the easiest schedule. The only thing on there for me is that three-game road trip at the start of the year. But you have Thursday, August 5th in, ha- in Winnipeg. Then, uh, you know, I think it's like nine days before you play a Saturday game in Saskatchewan. Then you get a bye week. And then 13 days later, it's a road game in Montreal. So it's not like you're traveling from city to city on a short uh, week in between here. Uh, you have a lot of time to prepare for these games. So... So far of all these teams we've talked about out East, I think Hamilton's got the easiest schedule out of anybody. The only concern I have is that I think it's week one, two, three, four, five, six, where they play Labor Day, their home opener, and then they play Toronto. It's a Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday type of scenario. But again, that's against the same team. Uh, Both teams are in the same boat. Uh, that's prototypical Labor Day home and home. Um, that's about the tightest schedule uh, between a uh, games for Hamilton. Let's move over to the West Division now, uh, and let's well, let's let's talk the BC Lions next. Uh, let's go from the coast, uh, the West Coast inwards. I think, uh, and start with BC. Uh, what do you make of their schedule? Um, first blush, nothing easy about this. Um, Michael Riley, who has requested to be called Michael, is going to have his work cut out for him in this division, uh, with this schedule. Um, starts with two road games, that's the schedule at Calgary. At home to what I think is a very improved Edmonton Elks team, a team that I'm very high on, a team that is led by a guy that I talked to at CFL Week when it was here, Trevor Harris. Um, BC does have a little bit of a break. I mean, at Ottawa, or sorry, versus Ottawa at Montreal, you know, there's not really any soft landing spots here for BC. You know, at Saskatchewan, at Calgary, at home to Edmonton, at Ottawa versus Ottawa, at Montreal, um, home to Saskatchewan, home to Winnipeg, that quirky little bye there, uh, 15-day break. Then you're home to Calgary, at Winnipeg, at Toronto, at Hamilton. That's again on a bit of a short week in Ontario, and then, then you're at home against the Alberta team to close your season out. So, 
yeah, BC needed to make some major adjustments uh, to their team, most notably on offensive line to keep Mike Riley upward. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's put that to the test this season. Yeah, BC's schedule is uh, is kind of weirdly segmented, right? Uh, you, starting in week eight, you've got three home games uh, with a bye week in the middle, then you've got three road games and then two home games. So kind of the inverse of what we just talked about, how Hamilton had a lot of back and forth home than away, uh, kind of uh, a couple chunks there for BC. So, you know, you have a three-game homestand where maybe you get in the middle of the season where you can – hopefully uh, have some good results at home there. Then you get tested out on the road uh, and you get two home games to finish off the season, which uh, I believe Montreal is the only other team that has that. So kind of nice feature for BC there. If they're uh, in the fight for a playoff spot uh, at the end of the season to have those two home games against division rivals in Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, by by and, and we all know, Ryan, but this is going to come down to weeks 14 to 16, those divisional games. And I think this year more than any, you want uh, you want your uh, you want to play your meaningful divisional games at home. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely. And they get those two down the stretch uh, by week placement, week five and week 10. Uh, there's so there's a their schedule is pretty well broken up into thirds their longest stretch without a bye is six games which is tied for the lowest in the league uh they do have three short weeks and only one long week uh so unlike most other teams in the league they uh they don't get the benefit too much of uh, a couple extra days off to prepare for some games but toughness scale where are you putting it for bc well, this is interesting. I put BC in the hard to middle of the path. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where I put them. Uh, largely in part because I think they benefit. Um, I think they benefit from being on the West Coast, especially against an Eastern team. Uh, when the Eastern team goes West, so I Hamilton, Montreal. But there's not an awful lot of that this year. Um because it's mostly divisional games. Uh, and then, you know, B- BC doesn't really see a lot of uh, East Division opponents at home. In fact, the only East Division team that BC sees at home all season is Wheatsits, Ottawa. Interesting. And, you know, BC over the years has feasted on those Eastern teams coming to BC. Uh, I think their road schedule is going to be uh, greatly impacted. Um, especially week 12 to week, week 12, 13, and 14 at Winnipeg, at uh, Toronto, at Hamilton. I would imagine maybe they stay in Ontario for that week 13, week 14. Um, you know, just because of the travel coming from the West Coast and uh, losing or actually having to spring ahead three hours. Uh, that's a lot of time. Um, all in all, I would not put this in the hard category, but I would not put it in the easy category either, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. Probably slot it in somewhere between like Montreal and Ottawa. If we have Montreal as a middle of the pack, it's kind of difficulty of a schedule. 
Uh, I think I'd put BC right around that range as well. Uh, let's head over to Alberta now, and uh, we'll start with Calgary, who start the season with a three-game homestand, uh, four of their first five at home, uh, bye weeks in weeks eight and 14. Calgary's schedule, uh, not too bad, I don't think. Sorry, yeah, no, that made sense. Um, sorry, I'm assuming we're talking about Edmonton? Calgary. Oh, Calgary. Sorry, yeah, I had a slight audio issue there. Um, Calgary, I think, to me, is an interesting case study. Because uh, they have three home games, Toronto, BC, Montreal, to start at Winnipeg. Then they're home for Labor Day. It's after that where it gets very, very interesting for Calgary. It's Edmonton, Hamilton, by week, home to Saskatchewan. At Saskatchewan, at BC, home to Saskatchewan. That's that three games in a row that we talked about with the bye week in between there. And for BC and for Calgary, it's not necessarily uh, three straight weeks either because they have BC sandwiched in between there. Right. So, so, yeah, this to me would be right up there with the toughest schedules in the league. Um I, for one, right now, do not have Calgary finishing in first place, um, largely because of the unpredictability of the of the West Division right now. Um, there was a lot of emphasis put on division games. Um, I mean, this Edmonton-Hamilton stretch, uh, at home to Saskatchewan, at Saskatchewan, so home and home. Then you did a bye week. Then you did a, uh, actually, I believe that's two games in a week there. Um, and then, yeah, so it's, 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 to me, we're going to know a lot about Calgary after those three home games. The interesting part to me, only two home games beyond October the 2nd. And why is that important? Well, number one, it snows in the mountains very, very early in the year. Often the first snow game we did in Calgary. Um, if Calgary is in Ottawa and in BC and at BC twice and at Saskatchewan in uh, October, they right away lose that weather factor. Uh, you know, those late fall, early fall snow squalls that we often see in the games that involve Calgary. So I think that right away, I don't want to say that puts them at a disadvantage, but it right away removes that weather factor when Calgary's playing either games on the East Coast, a game in Winnipeg on November 20th, which is ironically enough um, the night of the uh, what was supposed to be uh, the original uh, Western final. Um yeah, the, 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 to me, the Calgary, I think Calgary's going to suffer having a lot of home games in the back half of the season that are of substantiality. I know they have Saskatchewan. I know they have Winnipeg. But Calgary's got a Maytay early to be in the running for first place. And that's one of the reasons why I do not have Calgary finishing first in the, in the West. 
I think I have the opposite take on their schedule. I would actually, I'd put the middle of the pack uh, in terms of difficulty, but I'd probably put them on the easier side. Kind of Montreal's my baseline of middle of the road schedule. But almost put Calgary easier. I think that three game homestand, four or five at home to start the year is really beneficial uh, for them. Uh, and then you, you look at their the last, like you talk about road games down the stretch, uh, but they don't really have a long road schedule. Like they have two on the road in week six and seven. Then they have a bye week. Then it's a home and home with Saskatchewan. Uh, and then they're on the road in BC. Uh, and then you have a bye week between the last two road games. And if you look at their opponents uh, and we're going off of how teams finished in 2019, and I know a lot can fluctuate, uh, but their last three road games of the year are BC, Ottawa, and BC, which are all teams that missed the playoffs in 2019. So I, I don't think Calgary's schedule is necessarily a huge difficulty for them. I don't think it's a super easy one. Like Hamilton's still a much easier schedule in my mind than Calgary. Uh, but I would put them kind of on the easier standpoint. I think they have a, a good start to the year with uh, those home games against Toronto, BC and Montreal to get kind of the club all uh, together and get the chemistry going after not yeah. playing for two years. Uh, and, and then you start getting into some of those uh, those big tests with like uh, Winnipeg and the back to back with Edmonton there. So all I'm saying, all I'm saying, I guess, is it's an automated disaster if you don't come out and there was some wins to start the season. Oh, for sure, hundred percent agree on that one. Um, but Calgary's been a good good home team historically. Yes, very much so. Uh, let's move over to the other team in Alberta as we move along here. Uh, three teams left to go. Uh, let's talk about Edmonton. The Elks have their first home game against the Ottawa Red Blacks on Saturday, August 7th. Uh, they then host Montreal. Uh, they go on the road for three games, uh, then come back home for two, get a bye week in week eight, go back on the road again for two more, and... Uh, Two home games sandwiched by a buy uh, in week 12, and then uh, on the uh, home and home with Saskatchewan and on the road in BC to end off the season. Uh, again, one of those schedules that seems a little bit chunked early on in the season. Uh, two home games, three road games, two home games. Um, kind of a lot of the same things, I guess. Uh, from what we mentioned about BC, right? Where, where it's kind of segmented like that, uh, just more so in the early half of the season than the end for BC. Yeah, I I have no idea what to make of this schedule, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it seems to me like they have a little bit of a soft landing in the middle. A little bit of a soft landing, aided by some bye weeks. But I'm looking, coming out of this second bye, and bear with me for a minute. Winnipeg, October 8th, uh, then October the 15th, um, at, at home of Winnipeg, at home to Hamilton, at Saskatchewan, versus Saskatchewan, and then at BC to close the season. 
And then there's another bye week, and then you, you come off your bye week and you play a Tuesday game in September at Ottawa. Yeah, I'm beginning to rethink some pinch for the elk. Um, you know what? Trevor Harris is going to die this team, but I think we're going to have a very good indication of where this team sits after their first uh, seven games of the year. Now, that might seem rather elementary, but two, three, and two, like that's a pretty solid start if you want a measuring stick on how good your team is. Well, the interesting thing for me that stands out as I look through this a little closer is Edmonton only has to prepare for three different teams uh, from weeks five to 12 because uh, they play Calgary back-to-back in five and six. Uh, they play Winnipeg three times in that span in 7, 10, and 11. Uh, they play Ottawa once, and then they have two bye weeks. So uh, in terms of preparation midway through the season, like Edmonton doesn't have to really watch a whole ton of game film necessarily on team on different teams around the league, right? Like you're when you're playing that back-to-back game against somebody else, more often than not, a huge percentage of your game film you're watching is going to be from the game you just played against that team. Uh, and so I think Edmonton kind of has a bit of a benefit uh, in that standpoint that they don't really have to prepare for a whole ton of teams uh, in that middle chunk of the season. The downside to that is we all know how difficult it is to win and sweep a home and home. So uh, we yeah. could be looking at a chunk in the middle there where the Elks are kind of going 500. Yeah. You know what? And 500 in the West Division, if it's anything like the last number of years, kind of puts you exactly where they finished the season, I think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's a, that's a crossover position. See, I'm going to find the other way on this. I hate bat-to-bats. Um I think it's very hard to prepare for an opponent bat-to-bat as easy as it looks because if you win the game, you're at an automatic disadvantage, I think, the next time around because the other team's team's up on you. I think if you lose that opening game in the bat-to-bat, you're already at a disadvantage. Or sorry, you're already at an advantage because you know what you need to work on. Um it becomes a challenge of how much of the playbook you use in game number one. Uh, do you save stuff for the back half? Um, do you look at a potential playoff matchup with Saskatchewan in the West Division? I mean, two of their last three are with Saskatchewan. You throw in a playoff matchup over there if they're fortunate enough to get, to get into the... Uh, West Division side of the playoffs. To me, this season has a lot of questions for the outs. Um, I I think anything less than 500 uh, for the out would be very uh, disappointing to me. But I'm not sure how much higher above 500 I would put them. So where do you put the toughness of schedule? Does it lean uh, more towards the tough direction or more towards the easy direction? It depends how you it depends how you value how you look at your bat to bats. 
for me, I see back-to-backs as difficult, so it will be a tough schedule, you know, having to prepare for three opponents. But if, if you think for if you think for you to master that, then, you know, I, I, I guess it depends on how you value your philosophy, how you value, um, how you value the way you prepare for bat-to-bat. So, but, but I, if I had to, if I was to place a bet right now, um, I would place the out at somewhere around the nine win mark, 10 win mark, maybe 10 and four in a 14 game season. Yeah. You know what? I mean, seven, eight, maybe nine and six. No, wait, does that make sense? Nope. That would be too many. Nine and five. Um, It's possible. It's possible. Um, Eight wins, eight and six. I, I have them somewhere around eight and six right now at first blush. Um, I have some questions on their defense. Um, I have no worries about Trevor Harris. I have no worries about their running backs. Uh, they bulked up at receiver, which we'll get to in the preview in a couple weeks. Um, I think in and around 500, a game or two over, I think this would be where I have the outs. Yeah, I'll put the toughness rating for them probably somewhere middle of the pack. Um, I think maybe slightly towards the tough schedule side of things just because of those back-to-backs are hard to to kind of win two in a row there. Uh, so maybe have them kind of hovering around where I had BC, which was just just kind of over the edge of middle of the pack, uh, pack schedule. Uh, for Edmonton, uh, let's move on to uh, let's head to the prairies uh, and talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which is truly a tale of two halves of the season uh, when you talk about their schedule. Uh, four straight games at home to start the season, uh, and then a trip to Winnipeg for the Banjo Bowl, and another home game uh, against Toronto after that. So four, five of their first six at home, and then six of their last eight games on the road. Would you rather have your home games at the start of the year or the end of the year, Mike? I said it before. I, I would write them my home games in the back half of the season. Um, I understand it's not ideal because the CFL season is starting in the West so heavy. Um Man, I can only imagine what's going to come out of Saskatchewan. I mean, they have they have high aspirations, as they should, uh, for the Riders. Um, they lost Brendan Labatt. Uh, he's sitting the year out uh, to Toby Tolfield. I think there's a, a lot of questions on the offensive line. Uh, how do you keep Cody Pajardo upright? Um I do like Jason Moss as the offensive coordinator there, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, if I was to take on paper, Ryan, I had Saskatchewan finishing first in the West until I saw their schedule. Um, it is not a friendly schedule. I mean, their first their first road game is the Banjo Bowl, and then they go to BC, Calgary, the bat-to-bat, then back to Calgary, Montreal, Edmonton, and then Hamilton to close it out. Hey, 
to, to me, that's just extremely difficult. I mean, I had the writers kind of kind of in that 11 and 3, 10 and 4 area. But after looking at the schedule, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, the first thing that always jumped out to me as soon as I saw the schedule was Saskatchewan has four home games to start the year, which is, uh, you know, that's pretty, pretty great if you're Saskatchewan to start the year off like that. I mean, the whole month of August and part of September, you play at home, uh, whereas other teams, some teams play most of August on the road. Uh, but then there's always two sides to the coin. Uh, you look at the four home games, but then you realize that four of your last five are on the road. Uh, and yeah, that's a fair point of maybe this isn't as good of a schedule as I initially thought uh, for the you have, Rough Riders. You have two home games in the last two months of the season. That is true. So not, I mean, it, it, not, it's very unbalanced for them, it seems, right? Um, not... Notwithstanding any potential road playoff teams, right? Which I think, which I think, at this point, given the circumstances, um, given the circumstances, I would expect the Riders to play on the road in the playoffs. Maybe one home game in Annapolis somewhere, uh, somewhere for the West Final, maybe, or both games on the road, or or three games on the road if they happen to be the crossover. So Saskatchewan historically has had a good home to away split in the record of late and over the last number of years. But that was with a little more balance to this schedule. Mind you, Saskatchewan has a fairly veteran team um, in their in their locker room to be able to handle. But to me, I'm just worried about four of the last five on the road. Well, if they can come out go into that with fairly uh, decent positioning in the standards, I wouldn't be as worried. But if, if something goes south in the early part of the season, I'm looking distinctly at the Labor Day and Banjo Bowl games, you only have a potential home game with Toronto uh, before going BC, Calgary, Calgary, Calgary as a potential soft landing spot. So this, to me, behind Montreal and maybe behind Ottawa is the second or third toughest schedule in the CFL. Yeah, I, I think I have to put it up there as well. I assume you mean behind Toronto and Ottawa, right? Not yeah, Montreal. Yeah. Sorry, you, were, yeah. you were higher on Montreal's schedule a little earlier. Uh, but the big thing for me is there's a month, a solid month there between weeks 9 and 12 where the only team they play is Calgary. Uh, because you have three games against Calgary and a bye week in the middle, which is uh, just nuts to me uh, to think about, you know, there's eight other teams in the league and you play a whole month against one of them, uh, including two games on the road, even though uh, you don't host. Is there somebody they don't host at home? I don't think they host. doesn't look like they host Montreal at home or. I think they host it, everybody else. Yeah, they host everybody else but Montreal at home. Yeah. They play two road games uh, with Calgary. So uh, uh, probably one of the more unique schedules. Uh, I would agree with you. Slot them up there is one of the more difficult uh, for the for this season. 
Well, let's wrap things up and talk about Winnipeg here. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, coming into this podcast, I was prepared to go and tell you that I think Winnipeg has the easiest schedule of 2021 out of any team. Um, after all of this discussion we've had, I may change my mind on that a little bit because as we've gone through uh, and we were just talking about, you know, what do back what do a lot of back-to-backs, home and homes mean? Uh, generally, they mean a split. Uh, they played Toronto twice in a row, Saskatchewan twice in a row, Edmonton twice in a row, Montreal twice in a row. Four back-to-backs this season for Winnipeg. Um, what do you make of the Bombers and their schedule this year? I, I, I have the Bombers at a 9-5 and five team right now. The only thing that's stopping me from making them a 10-win team is that toss-up to start the year with Hamilton. I, I don't know which way that team goes yet. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's a, going to be a great game to start the year, I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, they, and I, I just want to caution Bomber fans, let's not make an overreaction after week one, okay? Let's um, caution everyone around the CFL about that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a rust, it's gonna be a rusty first week. There's no preseason game. Quickly, we talked to last week about uh or two weeks ago, I guess, uh about maybe teams playing scrimmages against one another. Uh well the health officials shut that down as I uh questioned why whether or not last episode those would actually be legal. Turns out like, we got our answer and they're not. Uh so there will be no like inter-squad games until uh, IG Field on August 5th. So that's th- going to be a rusty first week for teams across the board after not playing for two years. Honestly, I'm calling it right now. The Bombers and Tide Cats put a combined 80 points on the scoreboard. Oh boy. It's going to be 45 42 one way or another. So 87 points on the board. That would be a great game to watch if you're a fan of offense, which um, a lot of people are. Uh, I like to see an I, offensive show as well. The reason I say that is the defensive guys are going to struggle without the preseason. There's going to be six or seven PI calls. There's going to be a lot of rough in the quarterback, I think, because there's going to be message sending both ways. Uh, Hamilton is going to have a snarl after Winnipeg literally blew them out of the barn in the great top. Trust me, people do not forget these things. Athletes do not forget these things. I would say there's going to be at least 10 or 15 penalties put together, and there's going to be a lot of points scored on the board. And I guarantee you, I put the over under at the length of this game at somewhere around three and a half hours. Well, hopefully it's not like a past home opener for the Bombers and it goes like six or seven thanks to rain delays uh, and weather and Why not? storms. But Why not? Those two those two have always played in weather. Some That is true. That is very, very, very true. Um, yeah, Winnipeg gets uh, – so they get their Grey Cup rematch with Hamilton out of the way in week one and then they don't play Hamilton again for the rest of the season. Uh, they don't play Ottawa at all. Uh, so as far as their uh, East games, they have two against Toronto. They have a couple against Montreal. Uh, so only five games against the East division, it looks like, if my math is correct, for Winnipeg. 
Uh, here, here's, I guess I'll qualify here quickly and we are running out of time. Here's yep. why I thought Winnipeg had the better, the best schedule, uh, coming into this discussion today. Uh, I took a look at those short weeks versus long weeks. Everybody else has at least three short weeks on the season. Winnipeg only has one of less than seven days. Uh, they have four long weeks, so, uh, they, you know, they have enough as much preparation time pretty much as anybody for most of their games this season. I like the bye weeks in week eight and 13. I, I generally like them later in the season to recover from injuries. Uh, and you get, you know, you get your kind of going early in the season. Uh, and, and then you get some bye weeks to tinker and rest up heading down the stretch. Uh, their longest stretch without a bye is seven games. Um, and the rest there, you know, three, one game homestands, two, uh, two game homestands, same thing with road trips is the exact same. Like most of their schedule is pretty balanced. I would say, uh, not too many long homestands or long road trips for Winnipeg. So I, I think it's a pretty balanced, fairly, you know, easier schedule in that sense. Um, but all of our discussions from so far today about the home and home series, uh, that tough first game against Hamilton and uh, maybe the fact, sorry, red blacks fans, but the fact that they don't play Ottawa at all, which the, you know, last season pro- proved to be a, an easier task. Uh, maybe, maybe that swings things back towards a bit of a tougher schedule for Winnipeg. The more I look at it. Put it, put it to you this way, Ryan. I would be very excited if the Bombers went into their bye week, their first bye week at four and three. Yeah, that would be a good that would be a good start to the season if you can get through that and then see because I have the Hamilton game as you know as a toss up. They should take both games against Toronto. That Calgary game's a toss up. I don't Play know. The- I, I, about both games against Toronto necessarily. This is going to be a much improved Toronto team this year. Yeah, so, okay, so toss-up, double split, Calgary, and split with Sask, should beat Edmonton, by wheat four and three, three and four, wouldn't surprise me. And then coming out of the bye, it's BC, Edmonton, Edmonton, BC. A lot of bat-to-bats, but winnable games, and then bat-to-bat Montreal before your only trip to where you won great up in Calgary. Yeah, so so you know maybe it is, maybe it is a bit of a tougher schedule for Winnipeg. You you learn so much over the course of spending an hour to an hour and a half, however long we've been at this by now, uh, talking through a sixteen-week season for nine teams. I, I think that we can kind of sum it up real quick of. I think we agree that Ottawa and Toronto probably have the toughest schedules on the year. Yep. Hamilton probably has the easiest one. Uh, teams like Montreal, well, pretty much the rest of the teams are kind of middle of the pack with maybe a team like Saskatchewan having a tougher schedule, Montreal having a bit of an easier one, uh, but a lot of teams kind of middle of the pack there. So Overall, there's a lot of quirks in the schedule. Uh, 
There's always going to be cases where a team has a bit of a harder one than another. And we say that all on paper now based on results from two years ago and transactions that have happened, but we haven't seen what they mean on the field and not knowing how COVID impacts everything and where teams are at with all the offseason moves and everything. We, we, we say this all now that one team has a tougher schedule than another, but once the games start playing and once week one hits, that could shift our whole perspective on everything. Here's what I think I gleaned from this hour and a half discussion. It's time to go to one division for this year only. I would be fine with that. We talked about that last week. Because it's so, because it's so division heavy, and you don't see certain teams. But I'm just wondering. Let's say, and I'm just spitballing here, okay? What if Winnipeg and Ottawa are fighting for, let's just say, a crossover to get into the East, okay? All things happen. Let's say Winnipeg loses Polaris. Uh, they get them back. What happens if those two teams are battling for a crossover and they haven't played each other? Interesting matchup discussion. Absolutely. Mike, we'll leave it at this. I think the easiest way to sum this up is we're less than a month and away from the 2021 CFL season kicking off. And uh, we cannot wait to stop talking about potential games and start recapping actual games. Uh, which we will do. We will be back uh, next week to start our uh, division previews. I think we'll start with the East Division next week and then move on to the West the week after uh, as we make our way towards the uh, start of the CFL season here. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM. Uh, you can follow Mike as at Mike Garrell. Go check out his uh, conversation from earlier today with Bob Irving, uh, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, you can find me at Cooper Trooper 42 on Twitter as well. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, all those fun things on the podcast platform you're listening to. Uh, we appreciate you listening to our show. Uh, check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well. Uh, lots of great content coming out uh, as we all get ready for another fun season of CFL football. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.